Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. He's been here. He's been there. Magic down the middle, just what I thought. A hook shot at 12. Good! He's been everywhere. Shot from there and a save and a rebound. Score! Yes! Kings win the cup! Sobel. That's one small step for man. Ted Sobel. One giant leap for man. The man, the myth, the legend. What the hell's going on out here? Now, one-on-one with Ted Sobel. And welcome to a special Stanley Cup playoff edition of Touching Greatness here on the Believe Podcast Network as we focus on the changing of the guard at the Los Angeles Kings with new head coach Todd McClellan introduced on Wednesday at their practice facility in El Segundo, California. I attended that news conference and had the chance to chat with Kings general manager Rob Blake, longtime radio play-by-play voice Nick Nixon, and his color commentator Daryl Evans. And then two days later, Coach McClellan called me for a special one-on-one just to introduce himself in more detail to his new home fans in L.A. First, let's hear from GM Rob Blake, who I was able to grab on the run to get a few comments about this very important decision for his team and his own future with the Kings. Always good to see you, sir. Yeah, so with, Good. The pressure is a little different now uh, after a couple of years of doing yeah. this. To you got to well, get some Ws. You got to you got to do it right. right. <laughs> you know, you're allowed a few failures and a few mistakes, but you're not going to make those again and again. That's for sure. But it, it's no different when you played. Same same type of thing. But uh, no, it's it, it's there and it should be there. So what do you know about this guy as the coach well, who's coached you? Yeah, right. Uh, just. Probably the experiences in a lot of situations over a couple of years. So, uh, you know, how he handles a pregame meeting, how does he run the power play, how does he uh, de- uh, delegate, uh, you know, jobs to his staff, uh, you know, what happens when you lose five in a row, what happens if you win five in a row, how, you know, all those things come into play. But, uh, you know, a lot of times in an interview, you'll you'll get the answers you want, it takes a few hours and different things, but I've been able to do it for over a couple year period. I got to see it firsthand, so that, that, that's what made me comfortable with that. But the fit now with these guys, how do you see that? Well, I, I think this is the relationship he has with players. Uh, you know, we, we had that in San Jose. You know, I was 40 at the time, and then Mark Edward Velasco was 21, but I saw the fit there, and I saw how he, he, he made those players that were good enough and young enough to come in and play, how he made the older guys accept them into that. Okay, well, and we talked about it earlier. You thought John Stevens was the fit. Yeah. So why yeah. is this different in your well, mind now that you, especially after what? Well, no, John's a very good coach. No, too. exactly. You, you but know, it, there is um, a fit, though, isn't there? Uh, there is, and it's different stages of teams. Right. You right. know. Uh, also, I, I think we were holding on to trying to compete with John in that in that attitude, and he had a good uh, rapport with the players that were currently there. You know, this team is going to be much different than it was uh, a year and a half ago. So yeah, there, there's different coaches for different types of teams for sure. And the transition from the way the game is being played now and from the way you guys won the cup, you, yeah, you always no, talk about you got to get faster, right? And well, you got to get you play younger. faster, smarter. Yeah, no, there's a lot of different things. Yeah. Age is a, a concern when you get up there, obviously, and, and if you look at the teams that are having success, there's a certain age group in there. And um, No, that all comes into play, but that's that's the transition of the team. That's not what we, we're not the team we were a year and a half ago by any means sure. going forward. So what is the main ingredient that you need to add moving well, forward? For structure 
Really? I need the structure in place every single day that the players come into the rink. And it doesn't matter if you're old or young. Okay. You have to have that structure in place, and that's where the credibility of the presence and all these different words that will come in to describe that structure, but you have to have that right from day one. How about actual players themselves, though? I mean, what, and there's going to be maybe some changes Belief here, too, in the right? Players. The players have to believe in the system uh, that will be put into place. And okay. and part of that is teaching them or telling them how to do it, explaining them to do it, but showing them why they're doing it. And, and when you get all three of those ingredients, you do get a belief from the players, and, and that's what we need. Of course, everybody wants to know, like, what's the future roster going to look like too, right? <laughs> I want to know, I wanna know too. <laughs> now, I bet you do. I, I mean, you, you know, the, the, the very important draft with uh, three yes. picks in the top Absolutely. 33, you know, that uh, – whether it's important next year, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't probably foresee that these these players are young. They they do take some time, but I think in the future it is a very important draft with with the high end talent that's available. So what do you tell the fans who are saying we love yeah. Jonathan Quick too? He's, He's won us a couple He's cups. You know, so it's like, hey, it's, and, they, and they're great. They're great players. Kopi, Brownie, they yep. should all be so fortunate to be able to have those in the organization because they, they did win here. Appreciate the time, Rob. Good all to right. see you, man. Thanks. Our thanks to Rob Blake, and now let's hear from the man who will make him look like a genius or just another guy in the GM seat. We have a special guest, the brand new head coach of the Los Angeles Kings, and I guess we can now call this the Todd and Ted Show. He's got two Ds. I only got one. Coach McClellan, welcome to Los Angeles. Well, thank you, Ted, and thanks for having me. It's an exciting time for uh, myself and my family, and we're looking forward to becoming part of the the community and, and Kings hockey. 26 different head coaches in Los Angeles Kings history. I've dealt with 20 of them. I actually have had nice conversations going all the way back to the first one in Red Kelly. So uh, you've got a fascinating history to uh, to be a part of here. Let's talk about the last several years, what the Kings have done, and how that's changed expectations in this town. And now you're going to have to bring some of that back. Well, we certainly do. And, uh, you know, you talk about the history. Um, there was obviously the early King years, and then certainly the, the environment changed when Wayne Gretzky arrived. And, yeah. uh, you know, from that time on, uh, hockey's really grown here in uh, in California in particular, but uh, the South Bay, uh, obviously the two teams down here and the competitiveness between the two. But uh, the LA Kings in particular, the uh, the ability to put Mark as an elite franchise in the, in the National Hockey League, the championships, the... Uh, the uh, the fan base that's really grabbed onto the organization and followed it uh, throughout the years, uh, definitely passionate, and we have a tough task ahead of us to uh, to restructure the team a little bit and get back to the the good days. Uh, but the the group that is there now with myself and management and and the players will be prepared to do that. Um, a lot of heavy lifting, but we're we're ready to go. And one of the things I've always been a strong advocate of in life in general is it's really who you know, and the fact that you have a relationship with Rob Blake has to be a huge part of this. Well, it definitely helps. Um, I think anybody uh, feels a lot better about the situation they're entering when they have some sense of familiarity. Uh, for me, it's a lot about uh, rhythm and habits and individuals, um, you know, tendencies, emotional level, and I know Rob real well in that situation. Uh, certainly as a player. Uh, now, that was a few years ago. Everybody changes the way they, they do things over time. But uh, we've kept our relationship intact. Uh, we've been able to talk a lot about hockey, um, you know, really where we when we weren't even involved with each other, just talk about the game and share ideas and thoughts. And I think that strengthened the relationship. I'm really excited about working with him. I, I think he's a young general manager that has uh, a lot of energy and passion that he's putting into the job. 
and he's got a clear, concise plan, which is uh, a really attractive thing for me as a coach. A team in transition is what this team is all about right now because there's a combination of youth and veterans, and that's always the toughest time when you have had success and you're trying to move forward. This is the part of the biggest challenge, right? It certainly is, um, you know, and it, it, it can be done. I, I've seen it done before, but it can be done, and um, it's the attitude that everybody's willing to accept. Uh, the youth has to come in and provide a, a punch or a kick, if you will, some energy to the organization. They have to come in as, uh, as very professional individuals. I think that's really important to the veterans that uh, are in that locker room right now. So um, come in and show me that you're willing to work hard and, and do the things that we had to do to win Stanley Cups. But without being said, the veterans also have to, uh, to understand that uh, they play a huge role in this. They have to be accepting. They have to understand that some of the younger players will err at times. Uh, they'll have to be guided through uh, becoming real strong professionals. And while uh, the veterans are providing all that leadership, they have to maintain the level of their play without any excuse. So, um, you know, that's what we're faced with. That's what we're going to have to blend together, but it's a job we're all willing to accept. I love the analogy you gave me when we spoke for a few minutes at the news conference on Wednesday. I told you I just got back from the Masters, and you gave me an analogy where the veterans need to be sort of Tiger Woods-like and uh, evolve back into greatness again. Well, you know, and they're not that far off. The veterans that are here with the the Kings are tremendous players. They're winners. They're champions. Uh, They still have incredible skill sets. They're... uh, they're driven athletes. Um, it's just getting the polish back a little bit and, and maybe mindset more than anything. But uh, Tiger, for me, is a, is a real, um, what's the word I'm looking for, a real unique set of uh, circumstances in his world. He was the best. He did so many things well, and then his game got away on him due to health and some other reasons. But he was able to recreate himself. And I think if you sat down with him, he'd probably tell you he doesn't approach the game the exact same way as he did 10 or 15 years ago. Yep. He, uh, you know, he's, he's managing the course a little bit more, in my opinion. He's not uh, striking the ball as hard. He's uh, more patient. Um, and sometimes you have to recreate yourself as an athlete to, uh, to have future success and extend your careers. And potentially there's some athletes on our team that need to do that. It's not just the team in transition. It's a league been in transition for the last several years. You always talk about uh, quickness and speed and skill has really become just a strong part of the NHL. So what do you do, uh, not specifically necessarily, but you've got your work cut out for the aging guys that need to be able to keep up? Well, the young players have to as well. Like I, <laughs> I, um, you know, I like doing these interviews and stuff, but I, I don't want to keep separating our team. We will be a group uh, regardless of age. Uh, the youth will have to bring that. But uh, I am a firm believer that you can only increase speed, foot speed, uh, by small, small amounts, whether it's how you train in the summer, whether it's how you uh, train during the season. For me, mental reads, um, the puck movement, the cleanliness of execution will make a team a lot quicker. And um, we're going to have to look at the way we play. We're going to have to adjust a few things, and it won't happen right away. You're not going to come to game one and say, wow, they've got it. But over time, I believe that we can put that in place to where we can begin to play with a little more pace and and basically play the way the rest of the league is, is trending to. 
Time and space is always a term that's used in hockey. And how much does that come into play to whatever your age and speed is? Because if you control the time and space, you don't have to be the fastest guy. Well, you're exactly right. Um, you know, get to your job, get to your next task before the other guy gets there. Now you have time to operate. You have some space to make the next play. And, um, you know, that that's something that we will stress. That's something that will try and get the players to read a little bit better and react quicker. But um, it's often easier said than done, but I believe we can do it. It is great to have the newly named head coach of the Los Angeles Kings, Todd McClellan, as our guest here on our special Stanley Cup playoff version of Touching Greatness podcast here on the Believe Network. Describe your style of coaching, Todd, and, uh, and how that you think it will fit with this organization as you move forward. And what happened in Edmonton that didn't quite work out for you and your coaching staff there? Well, style is, uh, you know, I think I'm a communicator. You're going to hear that from every coach and every pro level right, right. now because that's, those are essential skills. You don't get to this this level without having some communication skills. But it's how you do it, the timing of presentation, the, the level of emotion that you use. Um, I believe in letting the players or getting them to understand why they're doing things, not just how we're going to do it, but why are we doing it this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll give them a better chance to success, I believe. Uh, I can be patient, but I can also, uh, my patience can run thin when uh, errors are made by omission rather than commission. And, um, you know, so I'm somewhere in between a, a player's coach and, a, and an old school guy. Um, as far as Edmonton goes, we had some, uh, you know, a couple of real good years, and then we strayed from our plan a little bit. We wanted things to happen a little too quick. Um, there was some uh, decisions that were maybe made that, that put the team in a, a position that was a little weaker and um what i can tell you there is everybody takes ownership in it. and it's not just the head coach it's not uh, connor mcdavid or the star players it's not just the manager when an organization succeeds it takes a tremendous amount of input from a lot of people and the same thing can be said when it uh when it diminishes or it doesn't go their way. I had a nice chat with Rob Blake on Wednesday, and he used the word structure, that that's what he believes you're going to bring to this organization as well as anybody else could. How do you describe that and what you can uh, do in that department? Well, structure uh, allows for an individual to bring his own game and fit into a team game. That's how I would describe structure. It's not always just moving pieces around on the chessboard. Um, we have to allow players to play to their strength, but we should be somewhat predictable in a lot of areas of the game. Um, and that might be in the D zone or whatever. Uh, the unpredictability comes from creativity, uh, but uh, the ability to read off each other, to get to positions when we need to get there, to anticipate what might be happening next, all comes off of structure, and that's what I'd like to put in place. And the plan, you mentioned you like the organization's plan. And how would you describe that to the average fan out there and what they have to look forward to over the next few years or so? Well, I've been in six, seven different organizations now um, at different levels of coaching. And uh, this was the first one where I really sat down and, and got into an in-depth plan with, uh, with management. And that comes all the way through ownership on down to different levels of executive uh, sign off on it detailed plan um it's the transition of the team into a newer identity it's got a timeline to it there are um you know because we are in a cap world and the salaries are are really big and strong there's some money elements to it but uh it can be laid out you can see where you are in the progression of it and um you know i don't see us straying from it uh 
even if we have a successful year, the plan still has to be in place and uh, the team has to transition a little bit into uh, a newer era. I've always thought of the term built for playoffs extremely important in hockey as much as any sport. Do you agree with that? And are some teams just great regular season teams? And I'm not saying Tampa Bay is one of them because I guess we will find out in the next few years. But uh, how much does that come into play in trying to build for the playoffs for the long haul? Well, it can be catch-22. I would I would say that the Edmonton Oilers and the the LA Kings are built more for the playoffs than they are the regular season, yet both of them are out right now. <laughs> exactly. uh, that heaviness, that hardness, that experience. Yep. Uh, you have to get there. Sure. You have to you have to have the chance to actually compete uh, in the playoffs, and, and Tampa and maybe some other teams had that chance. Now they'll go back and they'll adjust. Um, you know, So we want to get back to the playoffs eventually. We've got to get there. Um, we've got to build a team that can get us there and augment it as we go forward with players that can help us when we get there. But, um, you know, I'm talking further down the timeline. I'm talking further into the plan, uh, one step at a time and, and patient. Is Columbus a good example of that, though, where they've basically been in playoff mode the last several weeks and they just continue on? Uh, I would say so. Uh, I think Columbus is finally coming together as a team. They added significant pieces at the uh, at the deadline, um, not third or fourth line role players, but significant pieces. So their identity is now being adapted by everybody, and they're playing excellent hockey. So they're built to be in the playoffs, but they're also built to get there. They're they're a good example. Quick uh, analysis of the playoffs thus far, and what you, what you're looking forward to down the road. Who's the best spot to win the cup this year? Well, you know what? I don't. If I could see the the crystal ball, I'd know a lot more. But I was certainly <laughs> thinking Tampa to get itself there. So I'm I'm out when it comes to, to predictions. But it, there's been a lot of exciting hockey. Uh, there's been a lot of unpredictability, as it always is in the first round. Uh, a lot of emotional swings with each of the series. So uh, I always thought or, or found that watching or being involved in the first round was was so exciting because you never really knew what was going to happen. But you know, a week from now, uh, maybe we can talk again and we can pick our favorites. But right now, uh, I'm out after the first round. I picked Tampa. <laughs> I love that. Hey, by the way, uh, the familiarity of being around the Pacific Division as you have, how much has that helped this transition for you personally, just coming down here to SoCal and saying, hey, I know this division, and it's a lot easier than coming in from Detroit or somewhere else, right? It helps. It certainly does. Uh, you know, And, and the Kings themselves, uh, in my coaching career, I don't think we've played against the team more than, than the L.A. Kings. So, in some strange way, you, you almost get a sense that you know some of the players, you understand the tendencies, uh, you recognize faces, which always makes it more comfortable. And I'm just talking about myself, but I'm sure some of those players, or some of our players, not not their, those players, sure. are feeling that way as well about me. So um, the, the quicker you can become more comfortable with, with each other, the, the more chance of success early. Finally, Todd McClellan, uh, you've been the enemy, and because uh, San Jose is a heck of a rivalry with the Kings, that's got to be a fascinating transition for you to come down here and say, okay, I'm your guy now, let's forget the old days. What's that like inside, knowing uh, you're with the enemy now? Well, uh, I think of it the other way. I think they're the enemy now. I think they're <laughs> at home, so okay. I've quickly transitioned, but... Um, you know, it'll be interesting because um, I've, I've been with different organizations, but never where you've gone to a rival. Um, so I'm looking forward to experiencing it. Uh, there's still a number of players on that team that I coached, uh, people that I consider uh, great players and, and have strong friendships with. But uh, once, as the players would tell you, once the equipment goes on, uh, that all goes away and we battle. And 
and uh, we try and beat them, and that's that's what our goal will be. Well, it all goes away when you win, too, doesn't it? Absolutely. Exactly. And what's the one thing you're looking forward to the most about uh, living in uh, SoCal this time? Well, you, you know what? I'm looking forward to comparing the lifestyle. I really enjoyed my time in NorCal. Yep. Uh, but I think this is a little bit of a different lifestyle. Um, anxiously awaiting to see how my family will adjust. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I've enjoyed my time here already. I was going to say, a kid from Saskatoon, uh, I think if we talked to you 40 years ago, you'd say you're insane. I'd be coaching a team in L.A., right? Yeah, you know what? You don't uh, you don't dream of that as a, as a young kid in Saskatchewan. But um, the opportunities I've been presented, I'm very grateful for it. I appreciate the time, Todd, very much. Look forward to working with you uh, over the next few years, and uh, good luck with the Kings. It's going to be great. Sounds good. Thank, thank you. New Kings coach Todd McClellan joining us here on Touching Greatness, and there are a few who could speak in greater detail about this hiring as longtime Kings play-by-play voice, Nick Nixon, who's always been gracious with his time for my listeners. We are with Nick Nixon, the voice of the Kings on the radio for uh, how many uh, decades now, Nick? Uh, four decades, 38 years, but who's, who's counting? counting? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, how many coaches have been here about since you've I know, we didn't count, but I, I counted since I've dealt with 20 of the 26 heads since they yeah. started. That's a lot. And so why Todd McClellan, do you think? Well, to me, a couple things come into uh, mind with this pick. Uh, I think the familiarity that Rob has with Todd McClellan, because he played for him in San Jose at the end of Rob's career. And I think whenever you hire someone in, in any business you, you, you'd like to know what you're getting right sure. so I, I think from a perspective uh, Rob now GM not a player any longer obviously he knows how Todd handles a room with players so I think that comes into play I think the experience at the NHL level also uh, is huge uh, and taking nothing away from Previous uh, Kings coaches, you know, Willie or, or John Stevens before Willie, uh, Todd has a, a wealth of uh, experience at the NHL level as a head coach, 11 years. So uh, I think those, to me, are front and center. And, and I just think that, that with the experience Todd has at the NHL level, he understands today's game and he understands motivation for not only the younger players but also to keep the older players productive so uh, it's it's to me kind of like an ideal package for what the Kings are looking for right now um, you know fans might say the fickle fan may say yeah but what does he want well you look out there there's only maybe four five of the most active coaches who've won Stanley Cups, right? What One of them's what not did coaching. Daryl Sutter win before he came Exactly. <laughs> Daryl Sutter uh, is not even coaching, and exactly. he won a cup. Joel Quenville is still coaching. Claude Julien is. Yep. Uh, Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh. But, but beyond that, True. Um, you know, you, 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 you know it, a lot of it is fate and how all the stars align when you sure. get to the postseason. So but back to the original uh, question, I, I think um, – you know, Rob is very comfortable with this pick because he knows what Todd is all about. There is no, there, there are going to be no surprises when Todd does something during the season that either that is either kind of off the charts or out of the norm. Because Rob would probably go back and say, "Oh yeah, he did that when we were in San Jose. I know what he's doing. That's, that's a good move on his part." So, 
So yeah, I, I think there's a lot to do with that. The word fit always comes into play with a coach. And I think what you said, the fact that he's been around from a little bit of the old school NHL, the transition into what it's becoming now, I think that helps a lot too from the youth and the older guys because sometimes you don't need a teacher as much as you do a little bit of disciplinarian, but you structure as Rob loves to say. Yeah, and you know the league is getting younger. You look at yeah. you look at the top 25 scores this year, and how many of them are under age 25? Most of them are. Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby are probably the only exceptions. Uh, it is a young man's game, but the bottom line is you win with good players. And whether or not these good players are puck possession, big hulking centers like Andre Kopitar, or young, fast, quick, small guys like Brad Marchand or Johnny Gaudreau, good players make a difference. And you can say all you want about playing a certain style, but you need to have good players. And for instance, the Kings are going to have a number one pick, a high number one pick in the first round. Right now it's fifth overall. You get a good player, you're going to get the best player available, right? You're not going to draft for, for speed, quickness, and offensive flair. You're going to get the best player. And if that best player is 6'4 and is like Andre Kopitar, you've got to take him, don't you? Right. So, so that's where I think I, I, I've kind of wondered this the last couple of years, Ted. Everybody thoughts, talks about the new NHL being fast and quick. you got to move up-tempo. That's great. But if you don't have the talent to play that way, and the Kings, I think, were in that category, they tried to change and could not. If you're not in that category and can't do it, stick with what works. And I don't know how many times over the years coaches have said to me, the, what about the Kings tonight? Well, they're a big, tough, heavy team to play against. Well, they still feel that way. They, that... that uh, persona of the Kings and the way they play is still out there among NHL coaches even though they're trying to change but to me you just better players make you a better team and I don't care if they're big strong and slow but if they're a good player and score 30 goals and 80 points they're on my team so yeah is that the toughest part about Rob's job do you think though is trying to figure out the next several years where this team wants to go with some of the older guys soon to be transitioning out and do we go faster do we go yeah, a combination yeah. of big and fast well i think with rob uh, and he's been adamant about this since he, he took over as gm a couple of years ago he's not trading away the future he's he's held on to his draft picks uh right now the kings have seven picks in the first four rounds so they're going to get seven picks uh of the first what 110 players so seven of those are going to be king's picks and if you look at what we talked about, the top 25 players being young and fat, quick and, and talented and under 25, they were all drafted in the first or second round, all of those players. So you just do the math. The more first and second round picks you, you have year after year, the better your chances of getting the star players. That's really, I mean... Connor McDavid is a prime example. First overall, everybody knew he was going to be first overall. And he's not going to be available for the other teams from the Edmonton Oilers. He's going to be an Edmonton Oilers for the rest of his life, right? So uh, I, I think Rob has realized that that's how you develop a team and uh, a, a franchise that constantly can be successful is 
you've got to hold on to your draft picks. And that's the only way you do it. Uh, but in this sport, the draft pick doesn't usually do anything the first few years. Well, so, but it, that's changing, too. I mean, but, uh, but not there aren't too many Connor McDavid's out there no, either. No, no. Uh, but, but like you look at this draft, I'm told that probably the first probably five or six of the top 10 picks will be in the league next year at age 18 uh, because they either you know, uh, have, have the size and the strength to, to play against men who are much older than they are, obviously, or they have the skill set. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's just, uh, you know, Rob is fairly new on the job. This, he's going to be starting his third year. He's inherited some issues. He's inherited some contracts that you look back on it, you kind of scratch your head. But every team, every GM, new GM of a team goes through that. They've got to figure out how do I fix it. And the one thing you can do to get it better quicker is by holding on to the draft picks. So that's what I like from what I've seen so far since Rob took over. Speaking with Nick Nixon, voice of the Kings forever. And I'm also thinking about how difficult it is just for a guy like McClellan coming in where he hasn't followed the team that closely, he wants to win now, too. He's not thinking about, I want to do it in two or three years from now, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, i got to learn this team, and we got to have some guys who could do something now. Well, every coach in any sport that's at the highest level, NHL, NFL, they have to win the next game. That's their job. They're not concerned with the Kings winning the draft lottery in June. Exactly. They, whether it's Willie Desjardins in his position that he was in as an interim or a, a veteran coach uh, who's been around the block like a Daryl Sutter who had coached for a number of years be, before he came to L.A., their job is to figure out what they have in that dressing room and how to win with it night after night. So, And the other thing with Todd, which is kind of a, a bonus – I don't know how much weight you put on it, but I would put some. He knows this division. I mean, Absolutely. he coached San Jose, he coached Edmonton, he's coached against the Kings, and he, he referenced the fact that he's probably played more games as an NHL coach against the Kings than any other team because he's been in the division. So this is his third team in the Pacific Division, and, you know, you got to finish in the top three in the division to automatically get in. So maybe that he knows some of the nuances and maybe – he can tweak the approach against Edmonton or, or against San Jose. The familiarity helps anyway. Absolutely, you look at absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's just another, uh, you know, uh, feather in his hat. How about to the fans? They're looking ahead thinking, wow, this could be a really different roster next year if yeah. there are some key changes to guys they love. Well, yeah, I look. We don't know yet, of no, course. No, yeah. And, and, I, and I said this uh, at the end of the season on our talk shows. Um, right now, the Kings have uh, eight players that are in their 30s. And that, to me, the Kings can't start next season with that many older players in their 30s. So whether that's a trade, a buyout, whatever, uh, I think that will change. Uh, and, and the message I would – and I said this probably coming out of the, the all-star break, the, the bye week for the Kings – I don't think this team is as bad as being 30th in the NHL. I mean, last year, just a year ago, they had the best defensive record in the league, the number one penalty kill. A lot of those core players are still back. Now, they're getting a little older. But they're not but that old. They're not that old. And they still are, are producing. Yeah. So I, I, I think with, with a new voice, uh, a veteran voice that will obviously command the respect of the players, that this team – 
will be a lot more competitive next year. And and it's and even right now as we talk, it is not to me with the makeup of the talent on this team a 30th place team in the NHL. It, it's I, I I I don't know if I can go. I think they can compete for a playoff spot if they can add a couple pieces, a couple of their young prospects show well next year in camp, make the roster, and kind of change the whole outlook. But um, uh, I think it's a team that will compete a lot better next year. And but it might be a transition, might, though. Oh, obviously. Yeah, yes. uh, absolutely. I mean, that's the key absolutely. word, though, isn't because, it? Because and, and, and the problem with some of the teams we had going back 12, 14 years ago, we had a group of guys that were 30 or older and a group of guys that were 24 and younger. We didn't have that group of prime athletes that would carry your team like the Kings did in winning the Cup. You had the, the Kopitar, the Browns, the Quicks, the Dowdies, and on and on, the Carters. They, they were all in the prime of their career. Now they're going on. So to me, that's a little bit of the void. I talked about eight players being 30 and older. Now you're trying to get in all these young players, and that's where... The Tyler, the, Tifolis, the Tyler Toffoli's are important. The yeah, Alex follows the guys that now have experienced a couple years in the NHL, they've got to they've got to shoulder some of the load offensively, forwards. You know, don't know what the ceiling is for Alex. Uh, nine goals his rookie year, fifteen this year. Maybe he's a 20-25 goal scorer. And that would be fine. That would be fine. Uh, you'd, you'd expect that if he's going to be on your first two lines all exactly. the time. Tyler Toffoli has scored 30 goals in this league. He's dropped down the last two, three years. You need to he's get 25 out of him. He's got minimum. a rebound, absolutely. Yeah. And that second wave, you know what Kopitar is going to bring right. and Brown's going to bring, uh, but that second wave just didn't get it done this year. And, and, and when you have... Older players, and then you have younger players come in. You need that 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 middle age group yep. to to shoulder enough of the, the the load to be successful. It didn't happen this year. So. I know you're not the GM, but can we play it for a minute? Uh, yeah, sure. Jonathan Quick's future. I mean, I mean well, you know, from it, my that's heart, a tough one, isn't from it? From my heart, I hope he finishes as a king. Yes. Uh, if he has a couple more good years, gets to 400 wins, he's going to be a Hall of Fame goaltender. Uh, and I'd love to see him finish out his career as a king. But my head tells me if there are teams out there that are offering something that's too good to uh, look, look decline um, based on the play of Campbell and, and when we saw Cal Peterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a tough one. I, I would say if it's an offer too good to refuse, it, it could happen. I don't think it will. But... And also- again, and again, you know, you look at some of the teams in the playoffs that are going to get bounced out early. Uh, we've already seen Tampa Bay get ousted and Pittsburgh get ousted. Not that goaltending is an issue for either one. They've got two young, good goaltenders in Vasilevsky and Murray. But if there's a team out there, let's say Calgary, that gets bounced out in the first round this year, and they say all we needed was top-notch goaltending or better goaltending, do they take a flyer on a quick at age 33 with three more years left on his contract, knowing that he's won two cups and he knows how to step it up in the playoffs. So, is his contract the biggest issue, though? You think that's the most difficult uh, thing? Yes. Most, yeah. I it, mean, it say well, I'd love to have him, but I don't know if I want to pay it, him that it, much it, at this stage. To me, if I'm another team yeah. looking at any of these 30-year-old kings, right. Carter, you know, Kopitar, Brown, Dowdy aren't going anywhere. Exactly. But, you know, Carter, you know, you've got Kovalchuk, Trevor Lewis, you got Jonathan Quick. They all have term left. They all have at least two years left. So if you're another team wanting to acquire one, do you want to acquire them at some pretty big bucks? Your cap hit's going to be big for at least a couple more years. 
doesn't make sense unless you feel that maybe it's the missing piece. Exactly. So, but I don't know how many teams out there would be thinking that way right so, now. But so what you're saying, it sounds like it's going to be a similar roster because of that next year with the Kings. Because you can't unload, if that's the key word, some well, of these contracts. Yeah, yeah, you can't, but uh, there's always buyouts. Buyouts are always yeah. options. Yeah. You take a cap hit either way there, moving forward for a few years. But uh, if, if that's what it takes to, to facilitate getting to that next level and retooling to get younger and right. better. And to make that decision, we're moving on. We've got to do it now. Do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. Absolutely. Okay, so any uh, any words of wisdom for the fans during the offseason at all? Uh, be patient. Uh, <laughs> let's hope that, you know, it's uh, to me it's on the scouts. Like I said, yeah. you got seven picks in the top 115 or 120. Um, they've got to find some gems. Not just, you know, you look at some of the real good teams and some of their best players were – free agents out of college or third round picks, fourth round, got to find some of those gems that can come in and make an impact. Uh, so to me, I mean, I'm just speaking as a fan here. I, sure. I think the, the, the heat's on the scouts. They've got they've got all these picks, Get find out who the good players are. And then yeah. the pressure's on the GM to make the right move. Exactly, course. exactly. Thanks, Nick. Thanks to see you. Yeah, Ted, good to see you. And from Nick Nixon to his longtime color commentator, Daryl Evans, who has his own opinions about the new Kings head coach, McClellan, and the direction this team is going in. With Daryl Evans, not only one of the radio voices of the Kings, how many years has it been now, Daryl? I uh, just finished 20. Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay, so, and how many years did you play with the Kings? Uh, drafted in 80 and then got traded to Washington in, in 85. Uh, but, uh, you know, time just flies by. Uh, it's, it's been great. Uh, it's been great watching the game grow here in, in Southern California. Uh, being part of the Stanley Cup championship teams was, you know, things that you never forget. And, uh, you know, and now it's kind of seeing the direction that the team's going, trying to, you know, reestablish themselves and get themselves back on top of, uh, of the heap. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch from the outside. Big transition right now because you really have found yourself getting a little older on some ends and a lot younger on the others, and there's got to be a happy medium in there somewhere, right? There is, you know, and, you know, I respect the organization from where they're at. You know, when you put together two cups in three years and the other time you go to the West Conference Final, you know, you what you built and the way you built it, you trust, and that's the way you know. Uh, did the Kings hang on maybe a little bit too long? Yeah, probably. But that's easy to say now as we look back playing Monday morning quarterback. Uh, you know, that's where you, you, know, you have to try to make those transitions on the go. But you look at the game, the way the game has changed from when the Kings captured their cups. Uh, you know, big, heavy, puck possession type of team, very, very structured. Um, you know, that, that's the, game, the way the game was played back then. It's now a speed. It's a little bit more of a run-and-gun game. You're exchanging chances. You defend in a different way. There's a lot more grade-A scoring chances against the goaltenders. So it's, it, it's, it's a little bit of a different way. And, and I think the Kings are maybe, you know, a little bit behind some of the other teams. Again, trusting, you know, the style that they won with, that they could get it done again. You know, I, I don't blame them for that. But, uh, you know, now it's time to kind of dig the heels in and, you know, and make that transition. I think subtly they did it last year uh, with the infusion of some of the younger players. And more importantly, the style of hockey that those guys played, right. you know, the Wagners, uh, you know, walkers and these type of guys, more of puck movers, uh, you know, Roy back on defense. So uh, they're slowly transitioning in there. And, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time. It's not going to happen overnight. But I think the mentality of where the scouts, you know, minds are at, um, you know, when they're looking to acquire players, they're looking at a t different player than they did five years ago. And we're here today because new head coach Todd McClellan is here. And I, 
the first thing I look at him is like, you know the fans are saying, we don't ever like you. You're a Sharks guy. You're an Oilers guy. Well, that changes in a hurry, doesn't it? It, it sure does. And, you know, you know, and I think you can look at it like even when Rob Lake, you know, was oh, gone, yeah. you know, and then, you know, when he first came back, it, you know, it's like, oh, you know, he, he left. But, uh, you know, I think Todd, Todd, you know, coming here, I think he'll really embrace the Kings. Um, you know, and he answered the question when asked today that, you know, it, you know, it's got, it's got to be a little bit different because, you know, this has been a team that you've, you know, gone head to head with and you've tried to find a way to, you know, to figure out. And uh, but, uh, he looks like he's excited. Uh, you know, I think from the standpoint of the selection that the Kings have made, I think they have the right guy in place. I think he understands the NHL. I think he's got a really good grasp on the young players, being having had, you know, uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl in Edmonton, along with a lot of other, you know, first round picks and first overall picks and things like that. So, I think he's got a good feel for the young guys, and I still think he can have the, uh, you know, the compassion for, you know, for the older guys. And I think he'll find a way to be able to kind of blend them together and get what he needs out of this team. Uh, I think his philosophy is good. And I remember when he was an assistant there in Detroit. You, know, you yeah. look at the personnel that he was around there. Uh, you know, the great hockey minds, you know, away from the game, the guys that were on the ice. He, he's got a lot of knowledge, and I think he's a good communicator, uh, you know, and having you know, talked to him about, you know, his team over the years and doing my position, he's always been uh, really good, uh, you know, at ways communicated and been very clear as to what, you know, what his hockey club is trying to do, and I think that's what he's going to do here. Uh, you know, he's going to have to get, you know, uh, build relationships and trust with everybody. I don't think that'll take long because I think he has those qualities as a personal, uh, or pardon me, as a, as a personality. Right. And uh, I think once they, uh, you know, get to the season, I think you're going to see a whole different product on the ice. You know, are they going to go out and win right off the bat? There's no guarantee of that. Uh, but I think you're going to see a whole different approach to the game. And I think the Kings will reestablish an identity, and that's the way they'll play the game. By the way, I think Rob made a major mistake because he should have had a comment combination to bring in a McDavid with him. I mean, come on. I mean, that would have changed a lot of things in a hurry, right? No doubt about that. Uh, you know, and uh, how great you, is that guy, by the way? Uh, he's, you know, unbelievable talent. Um, you know, you know, as t you know, time goes by, you know, we're 10 years into into his career. Right. It'll, it'll be interesting to see the, you know, the, the levels that he gets to. Uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of guys, you know, that are good like that, that, you know, re reach that type of status, they're measured by their success, uh, you know, with the Stanley Cup championship. All of a sudden, you look at Alexander Ovechkin now. He's got a whole, everybody looks upon him a lot differently now that he's got a couple. Now he's of, a great team yeah, player yeah, and yeah, a champion, yeah, so right? Yes. And not to say that Connor McDavid is not that. No, I, of course, uh, he's he, a kid. Yeah, too, so. he's a great talent, but, um, you know, the, the, just the way that he plays the game, uh, you know, he's taking the game to a different level. And, you know, the young kids that, you know, I'm involved in, you know, a lot of the uh, community, youth right. community programs and things like that. And these young kids want to be Connor McDavid. You know, they see the magic that he works. Just watching him skate, uh, you know, and, Someone that's you know always really put a lot of emphasis on the skating part of the game. It's just it's a treat to watch. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys that you know, almost like when we played against the Oilers in the '80s. You know, they'd score a nice goal, and it was almost like on that bench you're silently kind of clapping your hands, like that was a hell of a goal. You know, type yeah, of thing, exactly. even though it was against your team. And right. he's that kind of guy. He, he's a wow type of player. And I think uh, Todd's ability to be able to communicate with guys like that uh, is going to help. You know, because the Kings, you know, they're going to have a you know couple of first round draft choices this year, including a high one at the fifth overall pick and. Um, you know, you want you want to have a coach that can relate to those guys, and you know, being that he's got a couple of sons right in that wheelhouse as well, right. I think that helps too. The sure. fact as well. So, um, th there's a lot of positives to look at here, and I think the players will be excited as to what they see. Um, you know, he's, I think he's, you know, a guy who's been around enough 
but a guy who's got a lot ahead of himself as well. We're speaking with Daryl Evans, the radio color analyst for the last couple of decades <laughs> here in L.A. for the Kings. And, and Daryl, I think you being the star of the miracle on Manchester, do you ever like shake your head, wake up in the middle of the night screaming, wow, I, if it wasn't for that, how different would your life be? Who, you know, just you, one you, goal, you, right? You, you just don't know. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was incredible. And, you know, and even like at that time when the goal was scored, it was, you know, you, you know, it was a you know cool thing being down five goals and you come speaking back. Speaking of the Oilers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the Oilers, you know, <laughs> that you come back and you win the game. But I think I've really learned to appreciate, you know, the impact that it had, uh, you know, not only in, in that particular game on the series, you know, and even in the game of hockey, you know, out here in Los Angeles, you know, that was, that was a big moment for us. Yep. Um, it, uh, you know, we didn't go much further. We got beat on the next round against Vancouver, but I think it just, uh, it, it's a moment that, you know, stands out, in, you know, in the history. I mean, the ultimate goal that, you know, is to win the Stanley Cup, and we eventually, you know, as an organization, finally captured that. It took 45 years to do that. <laughs> but still moments like that, you know, even, you know, Butch Goring's moment, you know, being carried by his teammates, those are moments that you never forget. You know, regardless of what happens in history, those are those are incredible moments and something that I'll always cherish <laughs> and, uh, you know, something I'll never forget is, you know, when we get to this time of the season, you know, when second week of April and the playoffs yeah. are starting, it just... Uh, comes you know, all back, yeah, doesn't it? it? comes back, and, you know, it's been 30 37 years wow. now, but it seems like it was yesterday. Unbelievable. How many times have you seen the video on that? Like maybe several thousand times? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, to say the least. And uh, <laughs> it, it really never gets old. It, oh, it no. really never gets old. Like, and Do you ever think like maybe it won't go in one time when you're watching? It's like, <laughs> oh, wait a minute, that'll change everything. I don't even know if I've seen it going yet. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but when you look at that series, like, you know, being, you know, and and again, even look at the way the game has changed since then. You know, the playoffs went to a four to seven after that, you know, instead of the three out of five, the short series yeah. that we had, you know, 46 uh, points separating the two teams. The first game of the series was an incredible game as well. Uh, you know, down 4-1, coming back and win 10-8. And that game still stands in the books wow. as most goals combined by two teams in a playoff game, 18 goals. So that was game one, you know, and then and then Gretzky scores an overtime game two to beat us 3-2. You know, and then the miracle game, we win 6-5, they beat us again 3-2, and then both teams jumping on the same plane going to Edmonton for game five. You know, so these are, you know, moments that, you know, you kind of overlook, like, you know, you just kind of put, you know, you know, the, the attention on, you know, the Miracle on Manchester game, but every game had a little bit of a story to it. And ironic that they were the highest scoring team. I think that's the year that they actually set the record for most goals scored in the season. But we win a 10-8 game, the 6-5 in overtime game, the 7-4 game, and they win the 2-3-2 games. Wow. You know, figure it out, like, how, how that would have happened. But uh, By the way, is there one story that you can recall that's like a wow story when you guys were both on the plane the same time because I mean how unusual is that in any sport specifically hockey after you're beating the heck out of each other I think it was the silence on the plane I don't think I've been on it as quiet really? a flight just I remember getting on there and it was just silence you know not a word it just seemed like there was wasn't a word spoken either way but I think it was that silence factor it was just like everybody was just kind of like you know this is kind of you know, an odd kind of moment, and I think everybody was, it was an uncomfortable type of moment. You didn't go back and hang out with Grant Fuhrer or something in the back there? Uh, no, no, he was not my seatmate. <laughs> yeah, we were just going to talk more about game three. But no, no, but it was one quiet flight, and then oh, I remember so arriving, uh, and I think uh, my partner Nick Nixon recalls it real good, and Bob Miller about yep. some of the fans in Edmonton when we arrived there, like in the middle of the night, and, you know, they are kind of giving us the business, like, what did you guys even come for? You know, you guys are going to get beat, you know, tomorrow night. And, and we went on and actually won the game easily. We were up 7-2, and they scored two late goals to make it 7-4. So uh, that was – you know what a way to break into the NHL. Sure. You know, prior to that, I only played 14 games in a wow. season, and and 
you know, another odd thing about that was being able to even be able even able to dress in the playoffs because that's the year they expanded the roster from 19 to 20 skaters. And I remember Don Perry in conversation, the late Don Perry yeah, we just, just passed, you know, so, you know, and I had played for him in the International League in Saginaw. Okay. I played for him in New Haven in the American League, and he was coaching in L.A. And um, after the 14 games of the season had come to an end and, you know, there had been some injuries. And I remember him coming to me saying, Daryl, you know, just like last year when we called you up to Saginaw, I said, you know, playoffs, you know, everybody's going to be back, the injuries, you know, you're probably not going to get a chance to play. He said, but stick around, you know, gain the experience like you did. And, and I did that. And, you know, I remember the next day he came, he goes, oh, he goes, they're, they're looking to expand the roster to 20 players. He says, you know, you might get a chance to get in. Right. He said, you're not going to play. He said, but, uh, right. you know, you, you, might, you, know, you might get a chance to dress. And uh, I said, hey, I said, I'll be Dallas Cowboy cheerleader, cheerleader for you. Right. So just put me right in the front row, no better seat in the place than to watch it from the bench. You didn't whisper in his ear, uh, sorry, coach, but <laughs> I may become one of the most famous names in the history of this organization. Just give me a couple of minutes. Yeah, so it, it, it was uh, you know, just, just the way it all played out. Like, again, just being in the right place at the right time, having an opportunity. Sure. And uh, it all played out and, you know, it definitely, uh, you know, defined, you know, my career. Or, you know, uh, I would have wished to have played a lot longer in the NHL. But you know, the time that I was there, uh, you know, it made an impact and uh, left an impression, and that's that's what I got to take away with. A couple of quick things: uh, the roster next year for the Kings. How do you see that? Because of and I just spoke with Nick about it. You know, the potential of maybe a few of the veterans leaving a quick, a Carter, but it's also going to be difficult to unload those contracts. So, I mean, what do you think? Uh, you know, I think now that they've got a coach in place um, and they've got a game plan, a blueprint as to how they're going to play, because of the type of year that they went through, the value on the outside is not great. Yeah. And I don't think the Kings are in a situation where they're going to panic. Uh, I think they're going to approach this in a real mature way. And I think some of these guys are going to be given the benefit of the doubt that maybe a fresh start again under under a new direction with with Todd. Um, and if that's the case, we'll see a positive response. Uh, you know, as time goes on again, I think the big message that you get, and we've heard right from the last interview, of the you know, closing out the season, even in this one, is they want to get younger and yep. they want to play the game with pace. Um, so there's no doubt. But that's the league now, too, that's, though, right? That's the league. So there's right. no doubt there's going to be some, you know, some transition and there's going to be some turnover. Uh, but I think if the Kings can deal from strength, it'll really make this transition a lot easier. Um, you know, if they're able to get what they're looking for in return, deal from strength again, you know, I think it puts them in a lot better position and you'll see them kind of get into that next phase really quick. But uh, it's going to be uh, some interesting times. I don't expect anything too aggressive over the offseason. I may be wrong. We'll see what happens at the draft. But uh, I think the Kings will still look to try to get as much value for the players that they have if they are looking to move anyway. It's like almost as much more on the other team than it is the Kings because it's what their needs are. Are we willing to take a chance, a flyer on a Carter at this stage or a quick and have to pay that much? Yeah, I think when you when you look at the Kings, I think you know you have to take an honest assessment and you know Todd mentioned it as well in his conversation that you can't look at the team as last year and you can't look at the team as the year before, you know. Kopitar had a career year the year before. Last year, you know, he has an off year. So it's and it's, Brown yeah, had a better yeah, year yeah, this yeah. year. And so it's it's somewhere in between there. Right. So that's what he's going to try to do is try to identify where exactly they are. There's no way in my mind that you're going to tell me that five or six of these guys, their game has fallen off, and 
they're, yeah, they're, they're good they can't you. play in the yeah, NHL. Uh, that's not the case. Do they have to change a little bit the way they play the game? Yes, I think they have to. Uh, I think they have to become more of a four-line team. And the players that they bring in are going to really open up a lot for these, you know, for the veteran players. You know, the veteran players, uh, they they know that, you know, they need help. They, they, they can't get it done. I mean, when they won their cups, they were, you know, they're 23, 25, whatever, 27 guys deep. And that's what they need now. They need the contribution from the young guys. They need these young guys to push. Adrian Kempe next year has got to push for that number two position. Um, you know, Ayafala, wherever he slots in. Uh, if it's going to be Anderson Dolan, Gay Velarde, Kapari, uh, you know, these guys have to come in. Wagner's got to, you know, produce. I mean, it's, it, you know, if they establish him as a penalty killer with his speed and things like that, you know, and he's still got to find a way. If they, on the bottom six, therefore, like, uh, hats off to Kyle Clifford for the, you know, the way he, uh, you know, churned his game around this year. Absolutely. Like, uh, and I give him, he had probably the, you know, the best, uh, you know, turnaround season from playing the style that he did throughout his career and taking it to the next level. Credit to the work that he put in to do that. But that's what they need from the bottom six. If they can, you know, get double digits of the guys in the bottom six of their lineup, this team's going to be a tough team to play against. Takes a little bit of onus off the top guys. And again, when you start putting four lines out there, Jonathan Wick's going to be able to perform in goal. I, you know, they might be in need of a veteran defenseman still. I think that's probably, if I was looking at anything, that would probably one thing I'd say that they need to acquire would be a veteran defenseman. They got some great young kids coming, but I'm not sure whether or not they, you know, with the, you know, Dowdy and uh, and Martinez being your one two, whether they have enough there. Uh, you know, Forbert, you know, he's starting to get some games under his belt, but I still think he could use another guy that's maybe got four right. four hundred games in the, you know in the league, good experience, a blend type of guy that can help one of the other young guys continue to grow. Quick thought on the, the Stanley Cup playoffs and already uh, some surprising exits. Yep, no early golfing season. Yeah, early golfing season and it's hard to believe that you know the, you know a couple of these teams have only played one week longer than the teams that didn't make the playoffs. You know, it seems like it was so far removed, but By the way, who's better right now, the Tampa Bay Lightning or the LA Kings? Uh, they're uh, in the same spot. Who's got more questions and, right and, now? Yeah, exactly. And I, I, yeah, I mean I think the Kings are clearly aware of where they're at. Tampa Bay is probably wondering where the heck they're are at. Are like, we what, built what are for the do? playoffs, yep. or is this just a one-and-done surprise, bad matchup, early round situation? Yeah, and it's tough. You know, when you go into a matchup like that, here's Columbus, a team that's never won a playoff yeah. round. So those are the type of series you don't want to go into. Uh, I always think that the first round of the playoffs is, I don't want to say it's the toughest because obviously winning the cup, closing it out, but it's got to be the toughest thing to go because you're not in playoff mode yet. Even when we say we play playoff hockey for the last month of the season or even all year for all that matters, um, playing in the playoffs is a whole different animal. And you get a little bit of a break here in that momentum swing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would have picked Tampa Bay to win that series, but not surprised to see an upset coming from Columbus. Definitely not in a sweep. The Islanders not shocked me at all. Uh, I think they were poised. I think uh, under the direction uh, with Lou and Barry Trotzer, they've done an outstanding job with that hockey club. Um, you know, getting contributions from a lot of different guys. So that didn't surprise me. I think Washington will find a way to prevail over Carolina. Um, and in uh, the other series there, Boston-Toronto, I think is going to go right down to the wire. Uh, I think that's going to be a long series, yet they're going to go back and forth in the West. Uh, and looking at the teams, I think the Vegas Golden Knights right now are, are poised to be the team that comes out of the West. Matchups might change that. Injuries might change that. But an already very good hockey club coming into the season. Went to the finals last year, and then you had guys like Stasny, Pacioretty, uh, and now Stone, you know, just before the deadline. And those guys are contributing. So uh, they just makes them a little bit more potent, a little bit more depth out there. They've got the physical part to their game, and Flurry gives them the goaltending. So that's a tough team. They're built well, and that's what I'd expect to come out of the West. And Daryl Evans' pick to win the Cup is? <laughs> 
So. I, I need to know the two teams that are there, but I know. But but right That's now, it, yeah, right now, if you look <laughs> at yeah, um, you know, I think uh, you know Washington on the other side because the experience that they gained last year, uh, again, health will play a part of it. But I find them working their way out of the East, and I find Vegas out of the West. So we might see a rematch wow. as to what we saw last year. And that was a great uh, yeah, series. It was, it was a great series, and if they did happen to meet up again, uh, I think it'll be just as great a series again. Wow. But uh, would not be surprised if either one of those two teams won. I'm sure they both want to hear that out of your mouth. They say, Thank <laughs> you. We're ready to play. Great to see you, Darrell. My pleasure. Anytime. I well, I hope you enjoyed this special hockey edition of Touching Greatness here on the Believe Podcast Network. Our thanks again to King's new head coach, Todd McClellan, GM Rob Blake, and radio voices Nick Nixon and Daryl Evans. And to the King's front office for their great assistance in helping to bring you these guests. I am still Ted Sobel thanking you all for listening to Touching Greatness and enjoy the Stanley Cup playoffs as intense a competition as there is in all the sports. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.